Today, we talk to the editor-in-chief of one of the world's most important business publishers, a widely respected economic prognosticator, the author of multiple best-selling books and two-time presidential candidate. Honored to have him on All Business Today with Jeffrey Hazlett, the chairman of Forbes Media, Steve Forbes. He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. Hey, first of all, Steve, I got to tell you, I'm a huge fan. I've been a subscriber for years. I love your people. I know so many of them. I've met them over the years, gone to your conferences that you've had uh, when I was a CMO. And so I just had to get that out first as a disclaimer because I just love you and uh, all the things you stand for. Well, thank you. Well, that, that, that's a good, uh, good, good, good for morale. Appreciate <laughs> yeah, well, that, especially good. especially the subscription part. Yeah, well, we so, always like being, it when being of, when people put money being behind of Scottish it. dissent. I like the revenue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, I'm going to speak about dissent because uh, when I think about um, family business, and this is a little bit of the family business. You got, you know, you're the, you're the son of a very flamboyant uh, kind of uh, very out there. Uh, father who was a big big portion of what I would consider the brand of the company. You had your grandfather, your brothers involved it, you, with the business, your daughter, at least one of the daughters. I know you have five daughters, so it's kind of a, a, a right. family business. How important is the family legacy for, the, for a family business, for instance? I think it uh, gives a sense of uh, purpose, a sense of uh, not only history, because uh, businesses are always... Uh, the circumstances are always changing. But I think it gives a sense of, uh, uh, you know, what your purpose is. Peter Drucker, the late great management guru, said all businesses should ask themselves, what is your purpose? What is your mission? What is it you are trying to do? And if you do that, then you don't get quite as hung up on uh, the, the means of achieving that goal uh, we see it certainly in print media, vastly changed from uh, thanks to uh, the web. But uh, it's all about uh, helping your viewers, readers, and uh, your visitors. And uh, so, uh, and I think uh, the family anchor gives that sense that uh, a business is not going to uh, lose sight of what it's there for. Is it is is your mission changed over the years? Uh, the mission is not, mm -hmm. uh, even though times and circumstances have changed. In the first issue of the magazine, my grandfather said that the purpose of business is to produce happiness, not to pile up money. And uh, we've been from the get-go uh, deep believers in entrepreneurial capitalism as the best way to create opportunity for people. And uh, we're in that sense, as one of our editors once put it, we're like a uh, uh, a, a, a critic. Mm -hmm. We love it when the drama critic. We love it when the play is done right. Hate it when it's done wrong. So if uh, somebody is misusing resources, not doing right, uh, we'll be even more critical than Mother Jones. <laughs> but uh, the, the the key thing is, though, we believe in the goodness of entrepreneurial capitalism and we think that's one reason why the brand resonates around the world as you see these emerging classes of uh, entrepreneurs uh, i think they sense with us 
that uh, we are sympathetic to and understand uh, the life choices they're making. Is it is it harder when your name's associated with the brand? No. Uh, if anything, it uh, makes it easier for people to uh, remember it, yeah. <laughs> unless you can't pronounce it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but uh, uh, I, I I think. You know, like the Fords. One reason why Ford didn't take uh, the government bailout was they knew this would be the end of the family, and they were not going to. They were going to fight to uh, not allow that to happen, and it did Ford an immense amount of uh, good. Not going through a bankruptcy and having government government put even more claws into it. Well, I've always said to a lot of entrepreneurs and certainly business leaders and even corporate. You know, when I was in a Fortune 100 company, I said, "Sell yourself. You sell the company. Sell the company. You sell yourself." How can they be separated? You can't really separate the person from the business to some extent, can you? Well, you can uh, have uh, investors, mm-hmm. uh, and even you could have uh, you know minority position. But the key thing is, if uh, the spirit goes, uh, the name will wither as well. And uh, so the key is that you be there and uh, keep the spirit. And I think that's what uh, what, uh, what what enables a company to uh, keep its purpose. And we've been through wrenching times, uh, especially since 2009. And uh, but uh, we, I think, are ahead of our peers in terms of turning the web into a huge uh, opportunity. We now have, according to Google Analytics, we have over uh, 70 million unique visitors a month now. Yeah, you, you've really changed. I, I know some, a number of the implementations you guys have done. It's been, you know, at a at the very cutting, and sometimes I'd probably even say bleeding edge for you. I don't know that. I'm not looking at your balance sheet, but you know, I, I know some of the things that that uh, Bruce and some of the team have put in place there have right. been on, on the very edge. I'm going, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing that. And then I look back six months later and go, well, that was pretty smart. You know, in terms of all the contributing writers, and now you're seeing everybody start to go that way. And you guys have really led that that portion of that change uh, of bringing on all these different content writers, and and not normally, and most of those are not paid. Uh, and maybe there, is there a compensation for those guys, Steve? Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, some see it as a brand builder, mm-hmm. uh, but we do have, uh, you know, depending on the traffic you generate, depending on the number of. Uh, repeat visitors you generate yes you can get compensated yeah well, and then, uh, but people uh, people today see it as part of their portfolio well it is because it, it gives them that cachet so they become the thought leader and so they're using forbes in that manner and then of course you're gaining more of their audience i call it opm you're using other people's money which is a pretty smart way to do it and and if everybody's getting what they want what's wrong with that but it, it does change the way you would view journalism to some extent for a lot of a lot of old timers don't you think well what uh, people have a hard time getting their minds wrapped around simply because uh, one a few years ago people didn't expect change and two uh, the model that we have today or had been until the web came along had been around for more than one and a half centuries and that is that everyone can be a content creator, not just spouting off on what you think of, uh, you know, what the Today Show did today or something like that. But uh, our contributors all are brought on, signed on, because they have an expertise in a certain area. 
and uh, they bring something we hope to the table. If they don't, then uh, we part ways. But uh, people can bring things to the table, even if you're not a formal journalist. I mean, one of the things that uh, we've found is that uh, companies uh, or smart ones are creating content that is worth reading. Yes. And uh, the, that's not as radical as it sounds back in the early 50s, in the early days of TV. That's, um, what, it was, that's what it was. Exactly. Uh, that's what it was. Exactly. That's how we got soap opera, because... Yeah. Uh, Procter and Gamble uh, created uh, content to uh, advertise their wares, and if they didn't have good content, then they wouldn't have a good uh, showcase for uh, Tide and their other products. So, uh, as long as people know where the content is coming from, if it's uh, got something useful, pe people will uh, read it. So, right. in that sense, it's a golden age of uh, content creation. Well, it's changed. I had I got to tell you, I had one of a major corporation, a top ten company, uh, in charge of their digital media and content. Uh, call me, uh, leading officer of the company, called and said, Jeff. I got to ask your advice about this. He said, I'm doing this thing with Forbes in which I'm placing content, our former bl company blog, inside of what they're doing. So in essence, paying for space inside of it. He said, I'm getting feedback from the corporation officers that this is almost sacrilegious. I, and I said, what's the goal? And he said, he said, the goal is to get more people to see the, see the, the content. And I said, and it's content you're writing, whether you'd set that content there on Forbes or whether you'd set that on your home page or inside of your website. He goes, yeah, and we'll still do that. And I said, well, tell me what you were getting before. He said, well, we were getting like maybe 3,000 views a month. Now, we're talking about one of the top 10 companies in the world, okay? And he said, we're getting like 3,000 views per month. I said, since you've been doing the Forbes, how many are you getting now? He says, about 300,000. And this is a true conversation. <laughs> I said, "Go." here's what you tell them. Tell them that Jeff Hazlett said to shut up <laughs> because you're doing <laughs> it exactly right. <laughs> but, but people have that preconceived notion that this change is, is not good, but it really is because it's still getting people what they want. And people are smart enough to figure out whether they're getting sold to or not, don't you think? Well, uh, and that's the thing is, is that uh – if, uh, in certain terms, ad, ad, ads. Even though we, that that, that uh, most people's mind is low, low, low grade stuff. Uh, it's a form of communications. Yeah. It's uh, trying to tell you something, and uh, if you can do it in a way where people feel that uh, they're getting real content, uh, then uh, then that's the name of the game. And uh, don't worry about the way you convey the content. Uh, Again, don't get hung up in the tools. Remember what it is you were trying to do. Yeah. And that's a prime example of it. They got caught up on uh, the tools instead of uh, what they're trying to build. Do you think, you know, Steve, I would think when I think of you, and I've, you and I have talked before and met before, and I, and I, I really truly respect you, and I, I don't want this to sound derogatory, but I don't think of you as a change kind of guy. You know what I mean? I, I think of you as a, kind of a straight-laced, uh, although you've got some radical things like flat tax. I want to get into that because I love that concept. But but I think of you as like the tried-and-true, you know, walk-the-line kind of guy. But here you're driving change, and, and it just doesn't doesn't seem like that would be – you'd be the guy doing that. Do you, ever, do you get that kind of thing from other people? Well, uh, uh, sometimes, uh, depending on what the, what the subject is, but 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 again, uh, it's uh, well. Just take Ronald Reagan. 
mm-hmm. 70 years old, radical president. Uh, in 1980, he was proposing major cuts in major, tax rates. Yeah. And he didn't do it in 76. He grew. Mm-hmm. He, he was a much better candidate in 1980 than in 1976. So uh, it's not chronology so much as uh, having a curious mind. And again, reminding yourself, what is your goal? And what will it take to get there, even if uh, the means are changing because circumstances are changing? You know, a lot of people are going to listen to this because uh, of the Forbes name, but also because you, you lead a pretty big family itself. And I want to get back to this one question. Does it put more responsibility on the family, you know, and, and you to make sure that you guys don't screw up personally because it has such an impact on the name of the company? Well, I, uh, and that, I think, uh, yes, that, that adds an element to it. But when your whole way of doing things is upended mm-hmm. and there's no playbook on where you go from here, uh, no uh, paint by the numbers and what you should do, uh, as has been said in this era, you can eat well or sleep well, but <laughs> not both. Yeah. And uh, and uh, this is one of those uh, periods where uh, if you uh, just uh, the proverbial ostrich, you 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 will die. And uh, we saw it with Business Week, now a marketing tool in essence, even though it's got content for a Bloomberg uh, Fortune. You don't hear much from them anymore. No, they've kind of dropped uh, off the face and, here. Uh, and uh, you look at U.S. News, you look at uh, business, I mean, uh, Newsweek, uh, they're, they're, they're either gone or shadows of their former selves. So uh, the world will march on. Yeah. And uh, for most people, it's a good thing. But for those who are accustomed to certain ways, it's, it's a tough change. And it's one reason why journalists today are so cranky is uh, they, they, they see and feel their old world is slipping away and they don't quite know what to do about it and don't like what they what they see out there. Well, and they're not stepping into it in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I mean, I look under your leadership. You, you've launched a variety of new publications and, and drove uh, you know new business, a lot of change. I think about Forbes Life, Forbes Europe, Forbes Asia magazines. Uh, the website itself, just the website, and you know, you've got numerous licensed editions around the world. You know, what advice do you have for leaders of business to get these kinds of brand extensions? Uh, just grasp the tools that are out there. Learn to use them. Ask yourself, why do people use Instagram? Why do they, we all know about Facebook, but mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't that many years ago before Facebook was uh, something you uh, had in college, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> a book yeah. of uh, the freshman. Yeah. Yeah, checking out, uh, date, rating, rating gals, that's what it was. You know, that's what they were exactly. Yeah. And, and you uh, look at these other forms of social media and figure out why are people using it and uh, is this something you can use? Yeah. No one now would do a marketing campaign without Facebook. Yeah, you couldn't do it. Or, or you know, to some extent, Twitter mm-hmm. and, and, and other ones that are out there as well. So a year ago, you sold a majority uh, stake in the company to Whale Media. How, how's it been since then? What's the biggest, I, and then I ask you, I want to know what the biggest change has been for you as well. Uh, 
so far not not a big change uh they're doing uh be doing uh, more things in uh the real estate space in asia and elsewhere but in terms of the media operations it's uh, hardly changed at all we're having a very good year business is up and both on the print side which is very heartening and on uh, of course on the website and uh so uh there hasn't been a lot of big change in that in the, on the media side so it's more of a an expansion rather than taking something there and trying to remix it well speaking of something that's always there and being there i'm going to talk about america runs on duncan and steve i read somewhere that <laughs> duncan donut is in your hometown of bedminster new jersey and someone said that you yes, love uh, iced, more... latte, iced lattes is that what you like yeah, I do love their ice lattes with whole milk, no sugar, so I feel virtuous. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I get those every day or just about every day. Uh-huh. I have other things that I shouldn't have when you're metabolism challenged. As you yeah, I know what that means. Get yeah, I get, do, you, do you stop? Do you go into the store yourself or you send someone oh, of over? Of course. Yeah. No. You, just... uh, you, know, you like to go in and sadly get tempted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you ever eat the donuts? Come on, you had to have one or two. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. What's your favorite? What's your fa- what's your favorite donut? Um, I like uh, when they have it, even though it uh, seems dull. But it's great with coffee. Is the old fashioned? Yeah, I like uh, those too. I like the chocolate glazed. Yeah, and then uh, they have uh, what's the name of it? the sour. Uh, Oh yeah, the uh-huh. sa- the sour cream, the old yeah sour cream. Yep. Yeah, I love those. I love that. Yeah, and I do. Sadly, too. it's lethal. Yeah, lethal it's in, bad. Uh, in calories. Yeah, but my boy, wife just says good... my wife says you should just slit your wrist open and shove them inside. It's a lot easier, you know. Yeah, but but they are good. Yeah. So chocolate glazed and uh, the sour cream, the old fashioned with coffee, and you know I'm I'm set. Very <laughs> I'm good. Easy to please. Hey, I want to ask you about. Um, your Crystal Owl Award. You, you're, you've been respected as a, a widely respected ec- economic prognosticator in terms of you're the only writer that's won four-time winner of, of the Crystal Owl Award, uh, which is given to financial journalists whose economic forecasts for the coming year have proved uh, most accurate. So first of all, I'd like to know, what do you think this year is going to look like? It's it's not going to be a great year. Yeah. It's going to be a very mixed year. Uh, we should do a little better, but we're like a baseball player who's raised his average from uh, say 220 to 250 or 260 when we should be hitting 330. And there are a lot of headwinds in the American economy. We have the uncertainty of Obamacare, what that does to uh, especially small businesses. We have a banking system and credit markets that is hurting small and new businesses because of uh, crazy regulations and crazy monetary policy. We have a dysfunctional, increasingly dysfunctional tax code, which we all know about. Mm -hmm. Uh, The rest of the world is not uh, doing that well. So uh, one exception is uh, Britain, but even there, they're doing better than anyone else. But again, it's not setting the world on fire. And I think this uh, just underscores that how important the 2016 elections are in terms of, uh, I think it's the most important election since 1980. And if we get it right, which I think we will, having all of these candidates run on the Republican side means that I think to stand out, candidates are going to have to put more and more substantive, positive proposals on the table. 
which means you get them vetted, you get the you get the discussion going, and ultimately you get the mandate for the American people, as Reagan got in 1980, to do the big positive things. And so we just got to get through the next 18 months. Well, I'm going to come back to the politics because I do want to spend some time on that, and, and I do want to spend some time on flat tax a little bit too. And uh, how do you how do you make your picks on the economic side? I mean, you've done you've done a great job on that. You you get a you know your finger on the pulse. Your 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 last book was awesome in terms of the devaluation of the dollar. But but how do you make your picks? Who helps you? And or do you you know do you lick your finger and stick it up in the air and see which way the wind's blowing? I mean, how do you how do you put that together to understand? You know, or, or what should a business owner be looking at to 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 look forward, you know, into the future uh, and see where it's going? Well, you uh, look at a variety of sources. Uh, part of it's the gut. Part of it is uh, people are reading sources that you have felt have provided good uh, uh, raw material in the past. And then uh, you go with it. And one of the things you always have to remind yourself, especially if you're uh, in the stock market, is that uh, everything you probably know is already priced in the equity markets. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very hard to come up with something that nobody else knows. And uh, so, uh, but in terms of the economy itself, you. Uh, try to see what's out there and uh, recognize that circumstances can change. I mean, in 2008, whoever thought uh, the huge mistakes that were made would have been made. Uh, that takes quite a bit of work to muck things up like that. But it was, it was big. It. it was big. It was big. <laughs> it was like, we look back on that and we think, what the hell were we either drinking or smoking to do that? I mean, do you, do you find yourself... And, and was there was there enough people back then yelling, Steve, to say, don't do this, this is absolutely ludicrous? There were some, but uh, when you have a seemingly unprecedented situation, <clears throat> uh, you know some mistakes will be made, but there wasn't an understanding of what brought the crisis on. And, but even worse has been what's done after the crisis. Uh, this whole quantitative easing. Where in the world did that come from? Mm -hmm. Suppressing interest rates for a year on end. Where did that come from? We know that price controls and markets distort the markets. If today we, it was declared, decreed that in New York, you couldn't charge more than $100 a month for an apartment or $5 per square foot for commercial space be great for those who have the apartment or the space, yeah. but you know nobody's going to produce any more of it, and you know it ain't going to be maintained. And uh, the same thing with the credit markets. When you suppress interest rates across the board, you don't get properly functioning credit markets, which is why small and new businesses and even some medium-sized businesses uh, can't get reliable lines of credit. We wonder why we're not creating jobs. Well, hello. Yeah. Where do you think the new jobs come from? Yeah. That's all those many millions and millions of businesses. They need that line of credit in order to be able to grow, because the you know yeah, basic things like inventory or yeah. expansion. Yeah, and if you're growing a lot, you can basically grow yourself out of business because you can't service that business for a lot of the small. A lot of people listening to this show, 
It's true. Hey, you started another uh, couple of company websites that were under the name Real Clear. You've got like Real Clear Politics, Real Clear Markets, Real Clear Sports, Real Clear World.com. Uh, what was the what was the genesis around starting it under that name? Uh, actually, uh, the the fellow who started those, a fellow named John McIntyre, uh, wanted capital, and uh, several years ago sold us a majority position, which uh. we were delighted to do because we thought he was onto something. And uh, indeed, uh, the traffic has done very well in the years since. And uh, take real clear politics. We all know uh, it's nice to have in front of us each morning uh, a list of articles that, uh, whether you're liberal or conservative or something else, uh, that you can read right there. And that's what uh, he's done. And I know he, uh, you know, he's going to probably buy us out one of these days uh, uh, because he, he wants to own it again, which is fine. But uh, that uh, that struck us as a great idea, and we're glad to. Uh, Go on for the ride. Be part of it. <laughs> well, speaking of the real clear and getting clear, uh, you ever think it? I, yesterday, I interviewed General Wesley Clark, of another former uh, presidential candidate. And you, my run, goodness, yeah. So we're I'm in good company this week. I, I, I'm having a blast. <laughs> this is like one of those great times. I'm sitting here back in my home in South Dakota, and I'm I'm talking to some of the world's greatest minds, which is awesome. Any chance you're going to run again, Steve? Uh, no, I'm an agitator now. I'm probably the only one not running for the Republican nomination this year. <laughs> there's a big, there's a long list, that's for sure. I think, uh, you know, probably about 500 was the last counting candidates <laughs> each day, <laughs> every hour. <laughs> it's See, better, it's better. You get a new one. Don't you think it's almost sometimes better to set outside, and, and I'm, you're not, I know you're not throwing grenades or anything, but to, to be a, the voice of you know, of reason to sit outside and say, hey, look at this, remember this, think of this. Don't you think that's a helpful role to play? I, I think so. I think there is a role for uh, uh, pointing out how we can do right things on money, on uh, patient control of health care, getting the tax code right. Uh, and I think especially in an environment where candidates and uh, people are looking for uh, ideas to uh, set themselves apart from others, that the, 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 this 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 is a good time to do it. Mm-hmm. So let me let me also mention um, a brand new sponsor. I've also got Liberty Tax, which is we're going to get into this tax issue right after this. Their mission is to set the standard, improve each day, and have some okay, fun. And it's and it's no fun doing taxes. That's a fact. And if you need your taxes done, the fastest growing retail tax preparation firm ever, with over four thousand offices nationwide in Canada and the U.S. Um, great seasonal franchise opportunity for those looking for some free enterprise opportunities too. So awesome stuff. So speaking of tax, Steve, you've been a real advocate and I loved, and one of my favorite books was the flat tax revolution. And thank you. I just, you know, look, I'm a self-made millionaires myself in terms of making money over the years and, you know, bought and sold 250 businesses in my career, 25 billion in transaction. And, And man, I don't mind paying my fair share of taxes, but I don't like the way it is today, and I don't think it's right. It is, where's the movement stand today with relationship to fat, flat tax? Uh, the movement is good. Already at least a half a dozen announced or probably announcing Republican candidates have endorsed the flat tax. I know uh, Governor Kasich of Ohio is 
uh, putting together a proposal. Rand Paul is putting together a proposal. Senator Ted Cruz has endorsed the flat tax, as have others. And I think that is going to uh, uh, spark a real debate on the issue. Uh, two of the candidates have not endorsed the flat tax. One is uh, Senator Marco Rubio. His proposal, tax proposal, has some good pro-investment elements to it. But he has two tax rates, 15 and 35, which I just think the 35 is much too high. Mm-hmm. I hope he amends it to get it down to one. And uh, Governor Christie of New Jersey has proposed a three-rate uh, tax uh, simplification system. And my mind, after, especially after the experience of the 1986 Tax Act, where they got it down to two rates, 15 and 28 percent, uh, it turns out in the real world, if you have more than one tax rate, if you have two tax rates, that's like putting two rabbits together. They multiply. And uh, that's exactly what happened after 86. We now have numerous tax rates today. And uh, it's very easy to add new tax rates. Uh, and because you can say uh, somebody else is going to pay, not you. And with a single tax rate, that's hard to do. You make a change, it's going to affect everyone. I think uh, that, in that sense, simplification is the best safeguard. Radical simplification is that everyone can see what you're doing. Today, as you know, you could, the Congress could make a change in the tax code, and it would be six months before anyone knew what had happened. Do you, how do you move it beyond debate, though, Steve, and get it to be more? I think if you ask most people, it's main, to me, it's a mainstream idea. People want the relief. Small business owners want it. Big business owner, big business leaders want something done. It's too complicated. It's got, uh, I think you made a quote about how many words the Constitution is and how many words the Bible is and, and then how many words the IRS code is. And it, it's out of control in terms of a document and the way in which principles to follow. So how do we get it moved beyond the debate and into something that really gets done? I think you're creating a groundswell and the mandate of the of the public. Ronald Reagan was right when he observed that the way you change minds on Capitol Hill is not through sweet reason, but more from the heat of public opinion. And so generating the heat is the way you get change. Left to itself, Congress would never amend, uh, make a radical change, big change, because of the complexity of the tax code is uh, for them as a source of power. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to give that up voluntarily. And the special interests, you're not going to overcome them unless you have a mandate from the public. I remember back in 1996 when I ran for president uh, in New Hampshire, with a straight face, H&R Block sent a mailing to the voters in New Hampshire warning of the impending end of civilization if uh, taxes were simplified. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The impending doom and gloom and the, the apocalypse was set upon us. I, I don't think that would be the case. I think there would be such a a groundswell after that of growth that would just uh, open up. It frees up the cash. It frees up investment. It frees up a whole host of things. Do you, do you think, you know, given the candidates today, or let's think about the leadership in Congress and, and the White House or potential uh, leadership in the White House, do we really have someone who will be that bold to get it done? To do something. I think that, yeah, just something. I, 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 I think that's going to emerge 
from the process we're in now, which looks messy. Competition always looks uh, inefficient, mm-hmm. unscientific. But that's how uh, the, the, the public shapes things. That's how candidates learn uh, through the campaigning, interacting with people. So I think we will get a, a candidate and ultimately a president who will be and have the mandate to make the kind of positive changes to get the country moving again. Well, I think I hope so. That's for sure. We certainly need it. What about you mentioned Obamacare? How, how bad do you think that's that is for small businesses? I don't. I it's don't. It's a disaster. Well, but at it's the same time, I don't hear small businesses screaming about it, Steve. As much as I do hear pundits and your, you know your, yourself and others, I hear other people well, talking just, about it, but just, I don't hear small business it. talking about it. Just look at how businesses are behaving. They may not be complaining, but are they expanding? When no. they get to uh, the threshold of 50 employees, uh, do they not think, should I go over that threshold and uh, take on the new expenses, which will hit in uh, 2016? Or do I hold back or set up a new entity? So uh, they may not be yelling, but it has affected them, has affected the labor markets in a, in a very adverse way because nobody knows what the rules of the game are. And uh, and I think individuals are discovering more and more with the subsidies. Did they estimate their incomes right? Are they going to have to get a, a rebate or are they going to have to pay more, Pay perhaps pay a penalty? So uh, and then the rates are going up and then they, they put in uh, try to put in more subsidies. So it's a hodgepodge, uh, unworkable system that is collapsing on its own weight. I think the Republicans have to uh, have an alternative ready for uh, 2016. Yeah, to have something to replace. I think the key thing, yeah, I think the, the thing I like that you just mentioned is the uncertainty. Whenever you have uncertainty, especially when it comes for most people with business, they're going to sit back and wait and and not want to be the first ones out there to do the, make the wrong mistakes. Um, so that, that's, which is always an issue. Let me, uh, who is your role model in business? Uh, the role, original role model was uh, my father mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and by in spirit my grandfather in terms of uh, understanding that you cannot take, uh, as my father liked to say, you cannot, uh, if you think you've arrived, you're ready to be shown the door. <laughs> you, you, you have to uh, renew this thing, uh, nurture it each and every day like a garden you don't uh, work on it the weeds will take over (laughs) is it you know you mentioned your dad and i i just he was a uh, kind of a hero of mine i love to watch him and because he he was at a time period when i was a young business guy and just coming out of college and he was very flamboyant a big a big huge personality i always thought and is it tough to follow in the footsteps of someone like that well one of the things uh thankfully my father uh taught my brothers and myself taught me is that you have to uh, learn how to do things your own way. He said, I have my way of doing things. you got to learn your way of doing things. That's and if you uh, just try to imitate others, uh, you'll just set yourself up for a lot of aggravation and uh, a quick trip to the graveyard. So uh, figure out what you're good at. Uh, figure out through uh, experience, uh, which can be a harsh teacher, uh, what works best for you and what doesn't, and take it from there. That's uh, what what we've all tried to do. 
you made a don't cool be what you ain't i agree with you and i i always tell people you know ride their own horse that's the name of the game and you find it yes, get on it a good way to put it yep saddle it and go because none of us are going to ride them the same way and you know i worry about that too you know i've uh with my children and i'm sure your dad did that and his dad did that i think most fathers do that you probably do that with your daughters as well um you know they gotta you gotta help them find their own their own personality their own way of doing things that's great he, you, you, there was a quote that you, and I'm going to read it so that uh, I can remind you what you said. My grandfather came over here as a legal immigrant, penniless, as were most other immigrants. They had to draw, they had drive and ambition and desire to make something of their lives. That's the kind of energy we want in this country. That spirit that you espoused in that quote of free enterprise, do you think that still exists today? And is it as strong as it was then? I think the spirit exists. What's happened has been uh, temporarily uh, capped, quashed, suppressed by the uh, environment we have today. But uh, I'm old enough to remember the 1970s, mm-hmm. a decade malaise, economy was doing terribly, high inflation, high interest rates, American decline. Uh, but look what was starting to look what emerged from that. You had. New companies like Amgen, Southwest Airlines, FedEx, Apple, Microsoft, Oracle. And when you got a good environment in the 80s, they became uh, the new giants. And I think we have a similar situation today. Terrible environment, but I think there's a lot of things uh, brewing in people's minds, stirring in people's minds. And when we get the right environment, we're going to have the kind of spirit we had of enterprise in the 80s and 90s. And things are going to be moving forward. Yeah, I think it's it's like a fire that smolders. And, you know, I recently was up back on my ranch and I'm burning off some brush. And seven, eight days later, the pile that I had been burning, it was still smoldering. And I think of that like the free enterprise system. It's always there ready to ignite if you give it some gas. And I think right. we need to be doing more of that. We should be inspiring that. I, it, and I, I'm just I'm so concerned that that spirit isn't being espoused by more and more of our candidates and more and more of our leaders. So, oh, you know, but, but I, I think that's going to come out in the campaign. Let's uh, hope. Let's let's make it. I, let's let's make it happen that way. <laughs> right. Let me let me let me give you one. Let me give you a shameless plug. Give me an opportunity to give you a shameless plug. Is there anything that I can ask that you would, or anything you'd like to tell the folks um, and promote? Uh, obviously, uh, I would love to have people to take a look at uh, Forbes.com, Forbes Magazine, my book uh, Money, and also uh, uh, talk about getting off uh, the, the the subject. Uh, I'd love people to uh, sign a petition, it's online, uh, to have Yogi Berra receive the Presidential Medal of Freedom. He's a remarkable man, and uh, there's a movement afoot, online petitions, and one way you can get those uh, sign up is go to uh, petitions.whitehouse.gov. And uh, give give Yogi a give Yogi a push forward. Well said. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Steve. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again soon. Look forward to it, Jeff. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. 
After every single show, I like to think about the things I've learned, the lessons, the keepers, as my good friend Terry Paulson once told me in a National Speakers Association. He said, when you come to meetings or you listen to shows or read a book or watch a TV, what are the keepers you like to have? And I always remember these keepers. And the things that I learned from Steve today was know your mission. And I asked him about that being a family business and over the years and three you know, three different generations of leadership from the family. And he said, know your mission, know exactly what you want to do. The circumstances might change, but the mission really never does. And I think that's a real important thing to do is do you have that at the forefront of everything you do, like almost like a filter that you have screen that you need to push things through or put things through. Does it fit the mission? And if we did that, that would really make things run better uh, for all of us. And then, um, and you want to keep in mind, don't make that mission too narrow. Be big, be bold, think big, act bigger, as I say. And that's a good way of being able to approach it. The second was around, you know, a lot of family businesses, we have a lot of family that are involved. And I thought it was really cool about, you know, the kids that grow up inside the family business or, or you have to follow, you know, as Steve did, a very flamboyant, very powerful uh, father who was big in the business and and really drove it to huge huge levels of brand recognition and and in asking him he said you have to find your own way and of course I mentioned that I tell people you got to saddle up on your horse he said you know there's he said his father said it was he had his way and you've got your way and I just think you have to find your own horse and you need to saddle up and ride it. So those are the things I learned. And thanks for joining us. Don't forget, please tell your friends to subscribe, to download the podcast and get them every single week. This is Jeffrey Hazlett right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on Play.it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.